Amen. If you're having a good summer, can I hear an amen? So glad that you guys are here with me in this wonderful summer day. We're going to be talking about the power of prayer. Somebody say the power of prayer. Thank you. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, talking about the power of prayer. And what I want you to realize is that the power of prayer is tied into the spiritual warfare passage, so I'll be reading through that again, okay? Let's check it out. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty what? Mighty power, thank you. So what we're learning today in the power of prayer starts with God and it ends with God. Nobody here is going to be powerful on their own. And I love what Steve was saying during the offering time. We are all managing the resources God gave us. And how many know your own strength, your own life, your own vitality is a gift from God? Can you make yourself breathe today? I mean, we're not even thinking about breathing and we're doing it. Can you make your heart beat? How about we even go deeper? Can you hold the the cells of your body together? Can any scientist even do that? No, come on. And so what the Christian is doing is recognizing God's power over all of the earth. Now that is going to become true when we face spiritual battles. So it says, be strong in the Lord, not in yourself. The devil's not going to try to come and tell you, believe in me. That's not the devil's lies. The devil's lie isn't believe in me, put 666 on your head. You know what the devil's lie is? Believe in yourself. You got this. You don't need God. You don't need church. You you can handle this. And so what this is telling us right from the beginning is you don't got this. You don't have power to fix this. Number one, you don't even know how to get to heaven because you don't even know where it is. Does anyone know how to catch that Uber to heaven? Man, you're going you to dial me up an Uber right now to heaven? Come on, man, I need a ride up there. You don't got God's Snapchat. You don't got God's cell phone number. And so all of this is humility. Humility. Humility recognizes I am weak, but he is strong. I don't have the power, but he has the power. Therefore, look at this now, verse 11, put on the full armor of God. If you don't recognize your weakness without God, you're never going to come to God to get his strength. Did you get that? I need your help today, class. Come on, church. I need your help. So we're going to do this service together. So if I don't hear you guys responding to me, I'm going to stay longer on certain points. If you got it, I need to at least see the majority of you guys have it. If you don't recognize your weakness, will you ever come to God for his strength? Because you're literally going to say, I got this. So are you going to put on the full armor of God if you think you're strong? No, like Oprah Winfrey, is she thinking about the full armor of God today? Most likely she's not because we've never heard her confess Jesus as her Savior, and we've heard her confess other nonsense we've talked about here. And I just use popular figures as an example. So if you think you got it, if you think you're strong, you're not going to come to God for armor. But how many have faced spiritual battles in life and have already lost and you know you need God? Isn't that what really a Christian is? Isn't a Christian honest about what's going on? See, I don't think Bill Gates is being honest with himself. I don't think Donald Trump, if, you know, come on, if he's had three marriages, he's not being honest with himself. He sucks at marriage. Are you get that? Now, guess what? I think Hillary Clinton sucks at about everything. So, hey, I voted for what I think was the better of two evils, and you can hate me if you want, but I'll make sure I put both of them out there. But listen, if you just really hate the way President Trump is towards women and all of these things, 
You know why he doesn't change? It's because he thinks he's got it. Now let me ask you, is the one that you hate and the thing that you hate about that person really inside of you too because then you're no better? How do you treat the opposite sex? Would you have three wives if you had a billion dollars? Come on. Would you have left the one you're with and gone with the model if you could have done it, fellas? Hey. You see, you got to make your decision how you're going to win your spiritual battles. And Hillary Clinton and these leaders that we see, they lose their spiritual battles over and over again. If you believe inside the womb a child is not deserving of life, you are a certain kind of stupid. Do you understand that? You are a fool. And if you believe that it's okay to cut off working parts of your body, to switch them with body parts that you weren't born with, my friends, this is insanity. This is insanity. You don't cut off working parts of your body because you don't feel right about it in your mind. You change your mind to line up with your body. So my point is people are weak in the Lord and they're losing their battles because they don't know how to be strong in God by putting on the armor. But you came here today, and I hope you're different. How many want to win spiritual warfare? How many want to win battles of your mind? How many want to think about a baby and consider it a life and not let the devil deceive you and think it's a virus you kill? How many of you want to win the battle of your mind and know sexual organs were given by God for a sexual purpose? You can't have a baby if you're a man. I don't care what they do to you. And if a woman changes herself to be a man, she's playing make-believe. She's still a woman. Are you listening? These are the confusing things of our culture, and people fall for it because they're weak in the Lord, weak in his mighty power, and don't know how to put on the full armor. Let's just stay on, on this for a few, few more minutes. Racism. How many know racism is a stupid devil's lie? My friends, it has been proven scientifically we are one race, the human race. Even if we don't agree with evolution, they still believe with us as Christians we all came from one human ancestor. Do you guys get that? Because if we had separate human ancestors, then there would be, honestly, different races. And so we could trace your ancestor back to this and your ancestor, and then we could compete uh, as humans in different race categories, just like dogs and pit bulls fight against Rottweilers, and we could find the better dog race or the better dog kind. But listen, with humans, we all have to say mommy and daddy. Now, I don't believe evolution at all, but at least they're smart enough to realize we have the same human ancestors. So the only thing that's different between us is literally the color of our skin. And I know people want to put it on white people and be like, man, white people, they've fallen for that lie. Right now in Africa, like Hotel Rwanda, they kill each other over just minor differences among each other's black skin. And I've even heard that racism exists in Latin America. I've heard that it exists in certain villages being oppressed by those who come from the cities and look down upon them. And why is this possible? Because the devil's lied to us. If the devil tells you the person over there who doesn't look like me is less than me and you believe it, you're falling from the devil's lies. So why do you think our culture right now is so obsessed with race? It's because they've fallen for the devil's lies that somehow we're different. I mean, just look at it. You take the darkest, just take the two polar opposites of race, okay, uh, of what they call race, which I'll just call culture. You take the darkest African and the lightest European. You have them get together. You have already changed the DNA or, or the color skin of the, you know, the DNA code of those two skins. Now you have like a median tone. That median tone does it again with another light tone or another dark tone. You have now just changed by your grandchildren the entire color of your culture. It only takes one generation. Are you guys listening? 
I don't think half of you are, though. I'm going to explain it again. If I got together with a Nubian queen, and by the way, I dated an African queen. She was literally a queen, or I should say she was royalty from the tribe she came from in Africa. When I dated her, she was as dark as dark could be, and she was dark and beautiful, okay? And so I was dating her. Listen, if her and I got together, would the child look dark like her or white like me? No. Now that child right there, if that child got together with someone of a different color of skin other than me and the mom, and maybe even different than themselves, would now there ever be in that generation the same kind of a racial divide we now see? No, because you couldn't point to one and say it's different than the other. You would say, well, my mom is black, my dad is white, and then I married this person, I married that person. And what we don't understand is that how, that's how God created us to be. Inside Adam and Eve were the potential for all the different races. That's why, or I keep saying culture, uh, races, but I want to say culture. Everybody say culture. The biblical word is ethnos, ethnos. Race has to do with the origin of kind, what kind of person, what kind of animal or creature you are. We are the humankind, amen? And how many know there's only one kind of human? But if the devil can get us to think otherwise, there's racism. What other problem do you want me to solve right now? Shout one out. I'll, I'll solve it right now. I've solved homosexuality and gender dysphoria, abortion, racism. Shout another one out because I'm not moving till you do. I'm not moving till you do. I'm going to solve two more problems because you all took too long on, on giving me one. You all got to shout something now. Give me a problem you want to solve. Shout it louder. I can't hear you. Immigration, the borders. People say in the borders right now that America has a problem with the Latin American countries, right? Is that what we're talking about when we talk about immigration? America with Latin American countries? Is that what we meant? You all ain't talking to me today. Is that what y'all meant? Okay. What's the problem with that? The problem with that devil, the devil has destroyed the nations in Latin America, and they're trying to flee as fast as they can. If God was in their nations and God was blessing those nations, they wouldn't want to leave those nations. Okay? That's the first problem. Second problem is why aren't we letting them in? Because now we, both Republican and Democrat, have fallen for the devil's lie that we don't need them, that they're different than us because there's a line that was drawn in the sand. I would love to have all the uh, Latin Americans come here. As a matter of fact, I would like to do the Louisiana Purchase, buy all them lands, make it the God-blessed United States of America, and have the whole continent be America and then take over the rest of the world. But people think I'm crazy when I talk like that. Because I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. If your government sucks that bad, let's just make it another state. Let's have 62 states. Why can't we have 62 states in America? Y'all understand? Isn't America good enough for them to come over? So why not make Nicaragua a state of America right now? If you don't like it, then why did you come to begin with? If you wanted your state, your, your country to remain a country, then why are you leaving it? Stay there, fight for it, change it. See, the devil's got us confused. When Americans wanted to leave the English, what'd they do? They fought and died. These nations that don't, that they don't like their own people and their people don't like their government, they need civil wars, they need to take it over, they need the people to raise up and the governments to become blessed. That's what they're doing in Africa right now. Has anybody heard of Nigeria? Nigeria, the Muslims and the Christians are in standoffs, and they're killing each other. The Christians are losing because they haven't been armed, but Nigeria needs to become a Christian nation like Kenya and Uganda. I believe Uganda is a Christian nation. Just check. Somebody Google, Joby, what's a Christian nation? There's African nations breaking away from the, the dictatorship and fighting that they may have freedom. That's another thing we have to do. Boom. Put on your warfare. I'll put on your armor and fight the battle. Now, why do I support civil war if, I, if I'm about ready to read here where it says we don't fight against flesh and blood? Because at a certain point, if people don't want to listen to the truth, we got to stop letting the lies overcome our people. 
So what's the problem with immigration? Think about it again. Their country sucks. They're coming over here. Stay and fight for that freedom of the country or come be here and be a part of this great country. Amen? Amen. Y'all get quiet. Somebody shout. Give, give me a microphone, brother. Somebody give me a better explanation. I'm serious. We're going to have a talk today. I'm, I'm just not going to preach to you guys every week. Just the same old same. Y'all don't get it. I'm a preacher that has to be confrontational sometimes. Get me one of these mics. Turn it on. Put it out there in front. If you don't believe the devil tries to come and get us to fight each other over stupid things or issues that don't matter, I can't, I can't help you. Immigration, the Mex- I'm going to say this again. The person coming over from Mexico, that's not my enemy. I would like him to become a United States citizen. I would also like Mexico to become the United States because Mexico's government sucks. I didn't learn that from myself. I learned that from the Mexicans that come to my church that tell me how their families fled from that country. One of my main elders is a Mexican immigrant. Are you listening? Here's the microphone. Tell me a better solution. I already said the homosexual one. I've already said the abortion one. I've already said the racism one. There's four on the table. You have a disagreement with this pastor. That microphone's right there. Shout out another one. I'll give you a helpful solution. I ain't moving till we do. Somebody shout out another problem you want solved. What? I like, I like that. Thank you. Somebody say Greed. If you try to take people's money and socialism and make that part of the government as what Bernie Sanders and others are trying to do, you're believing the devil's lie. The devil steals. God gives. Understand the difference. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God comes to give. When we're hearing leaders tell us that we need to steal from the rich to give from the poor, that's from the devil's philosophy. Socialism is from the devil's philosophy. When Venezuela tried it, it failed. A lot of y'all used to wear the Che Guevara shirts. Talk to somebody from Cuba. We got Cuban people that were arrested. Uh, Uh, The man that was in the first service, his father was arrested in Cuba. He escaped, and it was just on the news, by the way, that when he was escaping, he had to tell the the people he would want to stay with his parents because the soldiers could keep the children when the parents were leaving, and this one could leave because she was from Iran. His mother was Middle Eastern that was leaving there, and when they had taken over, by the way, Che and and, uh, Fidel Castro were killing thousands of their people over there, so he was no hero. He was a sadistic dictator, but anyways, uh, they, they told uh, the, the mother told the son, I'm going to buy you a brand new baseball glove when you get to America, so tell them you want to come with me. He says, he rem- it's in the article that's on right now, Facebook. Uh, he, it's, it's been on ABC News. A guy goes to our church. He saw a family in front of him, and the child said he wanted to stay because he was afraid to leave. They separated the child from their parents. And so in Cuba, he had to say he was willing to leave with his mom because it's the soldiers would try to say, we're going to start a revolution. You'll be a child of the, the revolution. You want to stay. And so his mom bribing him said, I'll buy you this glove. And then what, what was special about the video that's up is that when he came here, he got some kind of glove. But, but now as a 60-year-old man on his 60th birthday, his son bought him the actual glove his mother had promised him when they had left Cuba. But anyways, in saying all of that, when you're talking about greed, when you steal it from the rich, giving it to the poor, that's the devil's lie. When you look to the nation of Israel, it was not a socialistic system. There could be poor people there, and there could be rich people, and there could be middle class. Here was the difference, is it was a free economy. You could work and do what your hands could produce. And if you ever got into trouble, you could work with somebody else that had more than you, and then you could learn to become a landowner and have property. Now, in our country, a lot of times people say it's the have and the have-nots, and that may be true. If you look at the Jim Crow laws, that's a definitely example of the have-nots, uh, being oppressed by the have 
calves and so forth. But once again, I have a book right now by an African-American who says stop helping us because the problem with the African-American community, according to this black economics, you can look him up, he's an economist and he's a Christian, is that we don't need more handouts, we need hand-ups. Give us a fair shot. And giving them a fair shot to work gives them a fair shot to make money and, uh, and acquire wealth. And the more you allow people to acquire wealth, the more that they can hire people and the more that they can hire people, the better, the stronger the economy would be. If you keep taxing the rich, you're going to take away the incentive for the rich to start jobs and companies. Just like right now in California, they made it a $15 minimum wage. The restaurant owners can't hire people anymore. And so what you do is you make from the bottom up. You make opportunities for people to grow. Once again, don't take it from me, take it from Latin American people who have come over here and I've watched their videos and, and other, other countries, but I'm just thinking of one from Latin America. If you don't like that, go back to Mexico where you can't own land or go back to Chavez's Venezuela or go back to a, a, a country in Africa where they have dictators. All of those are lies from the enemy. So is America a perfect nation? No, to hell with America, up with Jesus. That's what I say. But do I want God to bless America? Yes, that's ultimately what I want. And that's why, by the way, that's why we have the richest nation in the world. And if you think you can do it better, go there. If you think Sweden is better, go there. If you think Denmark is better, go there and try to do it. Canada and all these other places who flirt with uh, uh, socialism will not help you. Now, there's one thing about the socialism that people always want to bring up, social security or health care. I think those are debatable. I can go either way. Social security can help out people. I totally get that. And health care could be a debatable issue, but not socialism. Socialism is the belief that all the wealth always has to be equally distributed, and that's not in the Bible. Abraham was rich. David was rich. Israelites were rich. The Bible talked about that, and then if you were poor, you were poor for a reason. So if you're poor here today, look at that. Now, the answer... The question was originally greed, and why did I go around all that mountain to go here? Because the Bible teaches us that the love of money is the root to all kinds of evil, not money itself. So we shouldn't, oh, I only got one amen. Okay, so let me show you some scriptures on wealth. Can I show you some scriptures on wealth? Okay, let me, it is I, the Lord thy God, who gives you the power to gain wealth. Who gives us the power to gain wealth? Okay, look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, please. And if you disagree with any of these things, I'm not going to shout you down or be mad at you. you. You can come right up to that mic, and I'll give you 30 seconds after this. Look at what it says here, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. It says, you will be tempted to say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is this day. Who gives you the power to gain wealth? God. So this is why our nation, which had a better foundation of, 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 of economics than any other nation, I come, my people come from Poland and Italy, by the way, only 100 years ago. So I mean, I'm like many of you, just one or two generations removed. Uh, those of you who have come here from different countries. So uh, my parents uh, love this nation. Their parents loved it, all for these kinds of reasons. Now, does it have its issues? They call it crony corporatism. Yes. Can people abuse it? Yes. But the issue isn't whether or not we should allow wealth. We should allow wealth because God allowed it to be there as a product of you working hard as long as you put him first. So what did we put on our dollar bill, y'all? In God we, have we been doing that? There's the problem with greed. So the problem with greed isn't 
that a baseball player makes $100 million. You want to know why? Because you gave him that money. The reason why he makes $100 million is because y'all bought his tickets. The reason why, uh, uh, I don't know, anybody here ever play the, the corn tossing game? Anybody do that? Do you know they take a corn bag, a bag of corn? What do they call that? Bag tossing? Corn, what, what is that called? Say, just somebody who knows that name. Cornhole, thank you. Anybody know the game Cornhole? Do you know that I was in Chili's the other day, and do you know that the Cornhole game now has a league? Okay, so now ask yourself this question. Why does the Cornhole League, the Cornhole League, not get paid $100 million like some baseball player or football player? What's the difference? What's the difference? Y'all got to talk to me. What's the difference? People don't go to it, right? Look, I'll show it to you right here. This is a league. Cornhole tournament. This is their thing. Here it is. The American Cornhole League, y'all, there it is. And I think they was in Kentucky. Okay, so now ask yourself a question. Think about it. Come on. American Cornhole League, why don't their players make $100 million today? Come on, y'all got to talk because nobody's paying for it, right? Why are people getting paid $100 million at the Cubs uh, Stadium right now in, in, in Soldier Field? Y'all paying. So, so y'all control the economy. You see, that's the beauty of living in capitalism and not socialism. See, socialism says you can't do this, you can't do this. So a doctor should get paid, uh, uh, you know, $10,000 and a teacher gets paid $100,000 because we think her job's harder and the baseball player should get paid $100. So when we set it up, now everybody loses incentive to do whatever they're doing. Now the government has to force you to do it. You don't do it, you go to jail. Hello, Cuba. Hello, all of these different nations. What is capitalism? Capitalism do. Capitalism sets a boundary and says, you can do whatever you want to do in these laws, and here's how you'll know whether or not you have money, whether or not people freely give you the money. Do you understand? Do you understand? Did anybody make me buy this iPhone? So can I be upset that Apple's a billion-dollar company? If I don't want Apple phones, what do I do? Just don't use it. If I don't like Facebook, what do I do? So right now, you determine, you determine how much money Mark Zuckerberg has. How about this, Gucci boys? Anybody hear of them or Gucci gang? Okay, let's just look at them because we're talking about greed, right? Let's talk about greed right here. Okay, here's some of the, is this the Gucci gang? Is this one of them? I need somebody to help me. Is this one of them, yes or no? Yes, thank you. Okay. Why does this guy have the money? Why does he have the money to have the clothes he has on the watch? Why does he have that money? Get people listen to his music. You see, it's, it doesn't take rocket science. So how is greed settled? How do we settle greed? Do I make this guy give me his money? Do I come like a communist or a socialist and say, y'all rappers should only be capped at 100000 You Once you make 100000 you got to give the rest away to, to the homeless. You shouldn't make that money. No, no, no. I don't do that. You know what I do? I just don't pay for his garbage. And then I work, and then somebody gives me money, and then I use that money to go feed the homeless. So I don't get upset with the rich because they're rich. I talk to my God and say, give me the power to become wealthy. I talk to my God to empower me to do what I got to do. And those of you who have economic challenges, whether it be because of the things we've talked about, racism or coming here from another country and those different things, we're here to support you as a church. We're not here to call La Migra, and we're not here to promote any kind of racism. Certainly not. I'm telling you that right now. If I was about ready to marry a Nubian queen, come on somebody, I ain't racist towards you. What we're here to do is give you the word, give you the truth so you can go out in the culture and make a difference.
Amen. Somebody say, help us, Lord. Now, what do you think we need to do when it comes to spiritual warfare and pray? We need to understand the truth. That's why it says be strong in the Lord. I'm not trying to act like a know-it-all, guys. I'm just telling you there are simple solutions to our problems. The reason why the world today is full of problems is because the devil is attacking us and we're not standing up against it. We have to know our truth. We have to know the truth through Jesus Christ. So when it says be strong in the Lord and his mighty power, let's just take those five things that we name. If you were to have sex outside of marriage, do you believe God could give you the strength to carry that baby if you're a woman, give it up for adoption if you need to, or to raise the child, yes or no? Yes. Do you believe today if you are same-sex attracted or you think you are in the wrong body, do you believe that God can give you a new nature on the inside, renew your mind, and make you a woman or a man that can either be celibate, sexually celibate, not having sex with anyone, or to function as a normal, functioning, natural male female? Do you believe that, yes or no? Okay. Do you believe that God made one race, the human race, and all that we have in our differences, colors of eyes, shapes of eyes, skin tone, or language is all superficial and all that matters is that we are from Adam and Eve, one race, the human race, and racism is a devil's lie in every form that it comes in. Do you believe that? Yes or no? Yes. Do you believe that immigration is solved by our politicians helping the people and the people helping their nations? Yes or no? And do you believe that the problem of greed is solved through us making money legally and giving it away out of our free charitable giving? That's why America is the number one giving nation in the world. Christians are the most uh, charitable givers out of everybody. That's why you don't see an atheist a homeless shelter. That's why you don't see a Buddhist a drug rehab. We've been all over the world. We even go to their nations and help them out. Come on, somebody. Ever heard of Mother Teresa? You know, come on, where do you, where's the Indian person feeding all the poor people of America? Come on, we went over there to help them. The Christian went over there. The Christians help the ones that the other nations don't want. We have our orphanages. We support an orphanages, orphanage in Africa even right now. Amen? For our struggle, okay, let's start from the beginning. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He is scheming against us in politics. He is scheming against us in race. He is scheming against us, and we must take our stand. Number 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. So look at the four places that the devil or, or the, four, um, leg, uh, not, uh, the four levels of spiritual attack. Rulers, authorities, powers, spiritual forces. There's been books written on this. I don't have time to get into this. But I can tell you what. It, it don't matter who shows up. They're going in Jesus' name. I'm a prince. You're going down in Jesus' name. I'm a ruler. You're going down in Jesus' name. I'm a power. I'm, I don't care if you're one of those four levels. When they come, they go out in Jesus' name. Come on. So take your sand against it. And now here's the deal. When you hear people talk like the devil, you're not supposed to treat them like the devil. Just because you hear a politician talk like the devil, you don't treat them like the devil. We pray for people to be saved. So whatever evil you see inside of people, pray for them to be saved so that evil will leave them. So I see evil right now in ISIS and terrorism. I don't pray that they go to hell. I pray that they get saved. And right now there are testimonies of these Muslims seeing visions 
actions of Jesus. When I see the gangbangers, I don't pray that they just get shot and get killed and they all kill themselves like you'll hear some people say, well, I just hope they give them all guns and put them in an arena. Let them kill each other. No, I don't want them to all go to hell. I want them to get saved. When I hear somebody committing abortion, I don't want them to go to hell. I want them to be forgiven. We have people in our church who have committed abortion and now they're forgiven. Come on. And when I see people with same-sex attraction, I don't want to hold up a sign to say, go to hell, go to hell, God hates you. No, God loves you and has a plan for your life. I don't want the Gucci gang to go to hell. I want them to get saved. Hello, somebody. I don't want anyone to go to hell, and that should be our heart. And if you ever hear anybody talk like the devil, sometimes just remind them where that came from. Go, man, you sound just like the devil. Did you know that? They may get upset with you, but sometimes you just got to tell them. Like if they say, oh, I believe in choice, and it's my body. I can do whatever I want with it. That's just like the devil. Did you know that? That's what he said to them in the Garden of Eden. It's their body. They can eat that fruit if they want. Go ahead. Come on, somebody. You ever hear anybody talk like that? Well, it feels good. It feels good. It feels good when I have sex. It feels good when I get drunk. If you sound just like the devil, because the devil says sex outside of marriage feels good. The devil says beating people up when you're angry feels good. See, the, the devil talks through people. How many has the devil lied to? How many of you have been here before the devil lied to you? Come on, it ain't just somebody out there. He's lied to us. Oh, come on. Do we all have it together? No, but we're learning. We're studying. You came to church. That's a great place to start today. Now, let's go on. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, you can stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then. How many times did you hear the word stand just in those two verses? Three times. Stand when the day of evil comes. When you've done everything, stand and stand firm then. So we're not trying to pursue our victory. We're standing in our victory. We believe that when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, that was for everything I would ever face in life. So how is it like? It's like I'm at medieval times right now. That battle's going on because God said he would take care of it, and I'm just going to eat my food. Jesus said he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I am more than a conqueror. I don't have to conquer the devil. I just have to believe that Jesus conquered him for me. Isn't that what he said? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That's all you got to do is just stand and believe it. How many have ever been to medieval times? Isn't that wonderful? You don't have to ride that horse. Some of you want to ride it, but you know, you don't have to get out there and get all dirty. You're just eating your food, watching that battle. God won the battle for us. But you say, well, what are we supposed to do? Why are we getting armor? Well, you're supposed to fight what the devil tells you about that word you've already believed. And we'll see about that in just a moment. And then you're supposed to fight for others. Your salvation has been procured by Jesus. It is yours. But other people aren't saved. You're supposed to fight for them. I'm going to show you that today in prayer. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Do you get my point with this? If I'm standing, what's being attacked? My shield, which is the shield of what? So my entire battle between the devil and I for salvation, for all the things God has already promised that it's finished, is all just about whether or not I believe it. Because what is he attacking? He's attacking my faith. 
If I believe I am who God said I am, I can do all that God said I can do. If I believe what that word says, I will receive every promise that he promised me. He's not a liar, y'all. So where is the entire battle being waged, really, between you and the devil over your faith? Will you stand and hold up your shield? Now, here's the deal. Do you ever feel your faith being attacked? Yeah? Well, that's because that's what he's attacking. Do you ever feel like fiery darts are coming towards your faith? Yep, that's where he's attacking. Now, those are the issues that we'll talk about today in prayer. And the Bible then says, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So we're blocking with the shield of faith and then with the sword of the Spirit, tearing down the devil's lies. How many know if you were a visitor here today, and I don't want to embarrass visitors, but if you were a visitor here today, you just had five lies destroyed. Like you never would have heard those lies destroyed by Ellen DeGeneres. By, I mean DeGeneres. Are you listening? I just destroyed the lie of abortion. How many know that? With what? The Word of God. The Word of God. I just destroyed the lie of racism. With what? The Word of God. You all know it's a trend I'm trying to have you say right here. Word of God is the answer, okay? Uh, We just destroyed the lie of homosexuality by what? The Word of God. Amen. We destroyed the lie of greed and people being greedy by what? The Word of God. We destroyed the lie of immigration that we against each other by what? The Word of God. We're here to help each other. Let's all become one strong nation. Let's become a nation of 60 states. Let's go. Come on, Costa Rica. I want a vacation there. Are you all ready? Or go change Costa Rica. Make it awesome. Is it awesome already? I don't know. Come on. You see, I'm not ashamed to say the truth of Jesus Christ, whether people like it or not. Now look at what Paul said right here. Let's read on the verse 18 together. One, two, three. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So watch this. Is every occasion in your life going to be the same? No. There's an occasion on your job. There's an occasion with an enemy that somebody doesn't like you. There's an occasion in traffic. There's an occasion when you go to the bank. There's an occasion when you go on vacation. There's going to be many occasions you find yourself spiritually attacked in. And guess what? For every one of those occasions, God has all kinds of prayers for you. There's not just one kind of occasion you'll face in life. Therefore, there's not just one kind of prayer you need in life. You need to know how whatever situation you're facing to pray the right kind of prayer. Can I give you a quick example? If I'm being tempted, am I going to rebuke the devil? Satanas, get away from me. No, what am I going to do? I'm going to crucify my flesh. Because the devil can't tempt what I don't like. The Bible says, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. I decide what's tempting to me, not the devil. Did you all know that? Go to James chapter 1. I'll show it to you again. Some of you all forgot it from the week before. We learned this uh, during during the time we did spiritual warfare. Watch this right here. The Bible says in James chapter 1 where temptation comes from. No one should say they are tempted by the devil. Verse 13, God is tempting me. No, he doesn't. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But watch this. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by the devil and enticed. Is that what it says? Look at the screen. Each person is tempted by the devil. No, by their what? Oh, come on, somebody say their own. Say it like you mean it, their own. Everyone is dragged away by what? Their own evil desire and enticed. So when I'm tempted, am I supposed to be praying against the devil? I guarantee you most of the time I'm being tempted, the devil's not even there around. He's saying, you're doing it all by yourself, Joe. I didn't even have to show up. 
Now, can the devil help me sin? Absolutely. I'm not saying the devil's not real. We're obviously doing spiritual warfare. But what kind of prayer should I pray? I should pray the prayer of the crucifixion of my flesh. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Look at verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and all of these wonderful things. Now look at verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the what? The flesh with its passions and desires. Oh, snap, y'all getting this? Where does my temptation come from? My own evil desires. Y'all getting this? Tap somebody and say, get it. So my own evil desires tempt me. Where are my evil desires supposed to be now as a Christian? Crucified with Jesus. So how do I live free from temptation? Rebuking the devil every day? No. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So when I'm tempted, my prayers not get away from me. Devil, the prayer is Holy Spirit, lead me. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. How many of y'all eyes just opened up on that scripture? My prayer in temptation isn't the devil, the devil, the... No, it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Show me the steps I walk out of this mess. My prayer is one of leading, not of rebuking. I can rebuke the devil. That's fine. No problem. Just every... You know, it's like pimp slapping. I'm just... What you slapping before? You just getting slapped, devil. I just like to slap you, backhand you. I didn't make you sin. I know, but I just want to slap you anyways right now. I mean, yes, you can mess with them like that, but you're not going to solve the problem like that. If every time you're tempted, you think it's the demon or a, a, a devil on the inside of you. I'm not saying you can't be demon-possessed. That's what we'll rebuke and get out of you. I had some demons before I got saved, and they got cast out, okay? So I know that's real. But I'm saying, especially for us as Christians, the devil ain't the one that you fight in every day when it comes to your temptation. It's your own self. So how do we rebuke ourselves? You can cast out a demon, but you can't cast out yourself. Have you ever try to get, out, get away from yourself? I guess the only way would be suicide, but then they still realize they still themselves, but now they themselves in hell. Surprise somebody to say suicide. That's another discussion. Amen. Y'all probably don't want to hear that anyway. How about this side of the room? Y'all like the Bible? Y'all like the Bible over here? Okay, so watch. Are there times I'm going to fight the devil? Yes, spiritual warfare to the devil. When would I know to fight the devil? I would know to fight the devil when the devil's putting things into my mind that I don't even desire that I don't even desire. That's how I know the devil's interfering with something. So if I have a thought to kill you and I was liking you five minutes earlier, the devil's got something up right there. He want to stop you and get me in jail, right? Come on, somebody. I wasn't even thinking about killing you five minutes ago. Now I want to kill you? I hear this all the time, man. People tell me this all the time as a pastor. Pastor, I wasn't even thinking about leaving my wife, but now I'm not happy with her. Just out the middle of nowhere. They weren't cheating. They weren't looking at pornography. Just, man, just something changed. Something They'll say something changed. Something, that's the devil. Because you didn't desire that. There wasn't a desire. And I'm telling you, people get blindsided by the devil all the time. Because remember, we're spiritual beings, and he can send radio frequencies to, to radio frequencies to us like we're a radio station, just like how you pick up FM stations and AM. You can pick him up. You can hear that sound, and it will be against what you know you're supposed to do and what you even want to do in that sense. Now, what happens then is you can become self-deceived and become somebody you never would have been unless the devil came along side of you. And that's where we come and counsel you to, dis to dis decide with you. Was this something you really wanted all along, to be addicted to this sin and you became trapped by it and you never knew it would be this bad? Or the devil just lied to you and put a trap door? You can be trapped by your own sins or the devil can put a trap door in front of you. Do you all get that? 
See, if I get trapped by pornography, that's my own fault. But the devil can trap me into something I wasn't looking for, okay? You can, you can fall for a lie that you weren't looking for, and that's what the devil does. He lies. And when you believe a lie, you can become self-deceived. So, yes, it can become quite complex. The Bible actually says that a person's heart is like deep waters, and it takes a person of understanding to draw it out. But I am trying to simplify. So when you face temptation, the primary prayer is not against the devil. It's a prayer of God to lead you. How many got that? Amen. And then he said, pray for me that I may, that I uh, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I can fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change. Pray that I may fiercely declare it, uh, declare it fiercely as I should. He's in jail right now and he's preaching the gospel. How many would preach the gospel even if they put you in jail? I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but what would you do if they put me in jail for preaching like this? What if they called this hate speech and said, pastor, you can't talk like that? You got to call this dude a, a woman's name now. Uh, that that's not um, what, what was before Caitlin Bruce. You can't call him Bruce. You got to call him Caitlin. Imagine they put me in jail. You gonna come visit me? You gonna call him Caitlin now? Now I know some of you are in positions as teachers, and you gotta be careful with stuff like this. But if it's your choice, are you calling him Caitlin or Bruce? Let me ask you something. If I put on a dress, am I still Joe or am I Josine or Joe? Whatever. What's a woman's name that starts with Joe? Josephine. That's what I meant. You can, you can, look, I cut off my arm. You still going to call me Joe or call me Josephine, right? You cut off parts of my body. I'm still who I am. Are you listening? I know you all get this, but I got to repeat it quite often. Don't let people get you to change the truth. Paul's in jail because of it. You want to talk about real spiritual warfare. Now, why did he just rebuke the devil and get out of jail? Why did he just say, devil, let me out. You can't hold me down because the devil had lied to people. Even though the devil put that in their heart, that was still their choice. The devil didn't make them become evil and wicked. That was their choice. So our battle is never against flesh and blood, but we have to pray they make a different choice. And that's why you got to preach to the people who are persecuting against you. You can't just say, well, I know the devil made you do that. No, no, no. If they're speaking on behalf of the devil, that's because they chose to believe what the devil's saying, and now they're saying, so what do you do? You pray for them to stop, the, stop believing the lies of the devil. Amen. Here it is in summary. It's a lot from my notes today because I'll be here all day unless I stick to my notes, so please be patient with me. Number one, we're going to be strong in the Lord's power. How many are going to do that? And we're going to do that by being baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. Those who were water baptized last week, you are in the water as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And look at what the Holy Spirit does when he comes on the inside of you. Jesus said this in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my what? witnesses, thank you, in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So how do we get that power? We get it when the Holy Spirit comes on us. Well, in Acts chapter 2, it shows us what happened when the Holy Spirit came. In verse 4, it says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in what? other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So do we have a supernatural a supernatural response to being filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes, we speak in an unknown language. Now, at that time, some of the people understood them, and sometimes God will give you a language that you haven't learned, but other people can understand. But the primary focus of this language is spiritual. Look at it in 1 Corinthians 14, 2. It says, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. So if I'm speaking in a tongue spiritually that I have not learned, and it sounds crazy to you, who am I really speaking to? I'm speaking to God. Thank you. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. So it says, no one understands them. 
But how is it in Acts chapter 2 it says they understood them in their own language? Because God at times can give you a spiritual gift of someone else's language from the Holy Spirit and the power that he gives you. But that's not generally how your tongues are going to sound. They're going to sound like the tongues of angels or languages not of earth. Now when people say this to me, they go, well, pastor, I only believe it's a real spiritual tongue if people understand it. I say right here it says nobody understands it. Yeah, but they go, yeah, it was that way in Acts chapter 2. But I say it wasn't that way in Acts when he went to Cornelius' house and they spoke in tongues. It doesn't say nobody, it doesn't say anybody understood them there. Then when they went to Samaria, they spoke in tongues. doesn't say anybody understood them there. And then in Acts chapter 19 with John's disciples, they spoke in tongues and nobody understood them there. So out of the four times they spoke in tongues, how many times did they understand them? One time. Then I say back to that person, how many times do you ever spoke in tongues? They go, none. I go, I would rather do it four times in, four, in, three, in two different ways than to never do it at all. Because guess what? My tongues have been understood two different times in India. Two different, I have the testimony on my website. Go right here if you don't believe me. Listen, go right here and put tongues, interpretation of tongues, and it will come up. There's two expressions of tongues. Somebody can understand, somebody won't understand. How often do they understand? One out of the four, 25% of the time. Bible says it acts as prophecy. What's the other 75% of the time? It's us speaking mysteries to God. Nobody understands. Do y'all get it? That's the pattern. So get baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire and let God speak new tongues through you. And if somebody understands it, that's cool. You know when they understood it? I was in Bible college. Man, it's twice, but I'll tell you the first time that's on here, that's on my testimony. When I was in Bible college, um, let's say tongues, and I told you interpretation, right? Interpretation. I just want you to see how easy I can get there today, and you guys can do the same thing. Because I put all of my, not all up into the date um, currently, but I have put all of my testimonies up, up until a certain date up here. Matter of fact, if it's harder than what I showed you, I'm glad I'm looking for it because I want you guys to be able to track it. The guy's still alive who was in the room with me, and I want you guys to be able to see it. Ooh, good thing I didn't tell you tongues and interpretation of tongues. Let's go tongues and let's go Glenn because that was the brother that was with me. Somebody say Glenn. I'm going to show it to you right here. Let's put tongues and let's put Glenn up there. There we go. Do you believe in speaking in tongues? The power of God. There it is. The power of God. Sorry, because I put it in a sermon series. I got to separate and put it in from my journal so you guys can see it. How many love miracles and all kinds of crazy stuff like that, like in the Bible? Healings. I don't want to say crazy stuff, but like how many want the, the power of God to show up, even if it scares you a little bit? Demons getting cast out. You guys want me to play a, a video of us casting out demons in India and the demon talk? Y'all want to hear that? Y'all got some time? Maybe I'll play that in just a little bit, okay? Let's, let's look right here. I put here the journal, and this is what I want to show you guys. And i got to put this on a separate uh, thing right here. Let's see demons being cast out in India. So this man was demon-possessed. He was sitting in the woman's section, okay? Let me help you understand what's happening here. I, I had just got done preaching. Let me start from where he's getting carried. He's being hoisted like he's jolly good fellow right here, Okay? <laughs> you like that, right? Some of the younger guys laugh. I don't want to see that. Oh, stupid, stupid thing. There we go. Here we go. Boom. Okay, let's go back to right about here. I want to. Okay, so he's getting carried like he's a jolly good fellow right here, right about here. Okay, the reason why this man is being hoisted up by Adam, our worship leader in India, like he's a jolly good fellow. 
You know what I mean when I say he's a jolly good fellow? Like you just pick somebody up, you're happy for them. Well, he's a jolly good fellow. I don't know if you've ever seen it in real life, maybe just movies or something, but try it with your friends. I'm sure they'll like it. He was sitting in the woman's section. I had finished preaching. There was no altar call. There was no worship. There, there was no manipulating if you've got a demon. There was none of that. It was straight up, thank you for coming to church, and God bless you. And all of a sudden, a dude started screaming. And you weren't even supposed to sit in the woman's section because they sit separately, men and women there. I don't know why he was sitting there, probably because he was demon-possessed. And he starts screaming, just, ah, yeah. Like screaming, full-on screaming, like stuff you pay money to go see in a movie happened in our church service. And, uh, you know, they just, they just grabbed them, and they know what time it is. It's time to bring them to the preacher. So I'm up here just waiting to pray for him. Okay, we're going to cast it out. We're going to figure out how many demons he got, where they're at, what, how they got into his life. This is not make-believe. This is India. I'm in Vijayawada, India, in the state of Andhra Pradesh. I'm so far away from what you would call normal life at this point. Do you understand? Most of these people have come from villages. He can't even stand. I'm basically like, let's stand him up. And so right now at this point, I, I can't speak his language. I can't speak. So I got to speak to the interpreter about what's going on with him and the demons that he's got. So what I first did is I told the demons to shut up. I said, stop screaming in Jesus name. You don't have power here anymore. I said, I want to talk to him and find out how this mess even got started. You remember Jesus talked to him. Y'all remember that? Talk to the man that he, there's a legion. Sometimes you can talk to him, but that just, what happened here is I was talking to him and I was going from the translator to this, to that. And eventually you're going to see me get tired of talking. I just grab him by the face and and I say, devil, I know you understand English. In the name of Jesus, come out of this man. You'll see it happen in just about 30 seconds here because I've had enough of trying to go through the translator. And I'm like, you know this name, don't you, Jesus? You understand this name. So that's what we're trying to figure it out. And then that's what you can see. I'm done looking at There we go. There we go. We done now. We done now. Jesus, Jesus in the building. Listen to me, devil. And he tries to watch this. This is a beautiful moment here, praise God. Right here. Freedom comes to this man. He tries to kiss my feet. They did this in the times of the apostles. They thought that the man of God, they put the Bible on the head to help. They didn't need that, but that's okay. Just put the Bible there. Put a cross on them. I'm like, guys, relax for a minute. How are you feeling now, son? Jesus all over you. Now he can barely talk. He can barely talk. He's not shaking. You can see he stands now. In the next few moments, you're going to see me start to say, you want Jesus in your heart? You want Jesus? Just say the name of Jesus. And that's, where that's the guy's pointing to him. Just say you want Jesus, man. Jesus is now, that devil's so far out of you now. And right now, he starts to weep. He starts to break down. He's being touched mightily by the Holy Spirit. I never thought, I'd, if you asked me 10 minutes before the service, if I'd be doing a play-by-play -play of a man being set free from demons, that would not have been on my list of things to do today. But I have found myself, nonetheless, <laughs> doing a play-by-play. And eventually he falls to his knees and starts trying to kiss my feet, but we tell him it's all about Jesus. Here he goes. I say, I love you, man. Jesus is in your heart. Now I'm going to bless you. Be filled with the fire of God. He's praising Jesus. I don't know if we have sound on this bad boy, but it would be loud. They're praising Jesus. They're happy. And then he goes down to my feet, and I'm like, hey, man, you can't do that. You can't do that. Hey, man, I'm like, you can't do that. Yeah, put it up a little bit louder, please. I'm like, is there one? Is there two, three? I'm like, one, how many more are there? 
Now he's telling the story. So I want to look at him again. And I just bless them. Now let's give it up for Jesus. Amen. That's all, Jesus. Jesus does it every time. Maybe he'll do it again at the end of this service. Somebody here has a demon. We'll love to cast it out of you. And we'll put it on Facebook. Amen. Half kid. No, but I got it right here. I'm going to put this journal. I'm going to actually title it journal, okay, guys, so you can actually see it. I got my dreams here. I got miracles here. I got messages of wisdom here, messages of knowledge. There's nine different gifts of the Spirit. I got all types of stuff, man, and, and healings, like I said, miraculous powers, prophecies. I put them all right here. Uh, but this one with tongues, I got it right here. This whole entire story, I have it there. So I'm going to take it all out. If you want to find it, just look under a journal. Everybody say power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when we're talking today about the power of prayer, our power comes from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And will that come with tongues and interpretation of tongues? Yes, it will. Do not limit yourself to what God can do. I don't always understand my tongues. Well, the Bible says we're not always going to understand our tongues. And if you go further on down, the Bible says you can even sing in tongues. Look at what it says here in verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. See, we don't understand what we're saying. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I'll also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I'll also sing uh, with my understanding. So what does that mean? Sometimes when I pray in tongues, I don't understand, but God does. Because think about this. You don't know what you don't know. So imagine you going through a situation right now on your job, right? It's a financial tough situation. And imagine this is going to be the outcome. You're going to get fired. You're not going to be able to make your car payment. You're going to lose your car. And then your closest friends are going to leave you. How in the world does God convince you to pray that? If you heard that thought in your mind, you're going to think that's crazy. I'm not going to pray, Lord, I pray they fire me. I pray that I stop being able to pay my car note. And I pray the three closest people in my life, my mother, my cousin, and my, my what, wife or boyfriend, whatever, they all leave me. No, but God sees that it's happening, and he wants you to pray to be ready for it. So what's he going to do? Pray through the Spirit. And while you're praying through the Spirit, you may not understand what you're saying, but you might be praying something like this. God, when they fire me, be my provider. When I lose my car, help me walk somewhere, Jesus. And when everyone leaves me, be the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Pray that in the spirit. Because you'll pray what you don't understand. You have to be able to trust God so you can pray what you don't understand. And that's why I believe we pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen, somebody. Come on. See, we don't like that, do we? We want to always be in control. We want to always know. But the Bible says sometimes you won't understand. That's why you pray in the Spirit. Somebody say there's power in prayer. Amen. The next thing that you need to understand is that the devil is a scheming devil. He is a liar. That's why you got to take your moments in the time of your battle to step back and see what's really going on. Is it from my flesh or is it from the devil? You've got to discern. If it's your flesh, crucify it. If it's the devil, cast him out. I heard a story from a missionary. He was in a third world country. Demon came into his room, tried to scare him, shaked his bed, moved it all over the place, and he got so scared he was holding on to his bed, the bed is shaking, and then the demon left. And that was supposed to discourage him from preaching the gospel. Now, you can believe this whether or not, whether you want to or not, but I believe this man of God. I met him personally. He then woke up and got up out of his bed and said, hey, 
Devil, I ain't leaving and going nowhere, Jack, and you're going to put my bed back in the name of Jesus. And he said it started to shake and rattle and go right back to that spot. You can think those things are lies, but I believe my God controls demons and has powers over them. So you need to know the difference. You need to know the difference. When I've, and that's, that was in a place like the Philippines when he was casting out demons as well back in the 50s, establishing the church. That was Lester Summerall. When we hear these kinds of stories, we may not believe it, but I've experienced some of them myself. I've experienced when I've cast out demons in those countries, they come in my, my room at night. They try to mess with me in different ways, and I'm not going to keep talking about it, but you can cast them out in Jesus' name. Just know you have the victory. When Jesus said it's finished, that's for you. There are four different kinds of demons that we may fight, but remember, not one of them is called Mike, Bob, Jack, Jane, Jill. Demons aren't people, okay? Love people, hate demons. Can everybody say that with me? Love people, hate demons. So we rebuke the spirit of Islam, but we pray for Muslims to get saved. We rebuke the spirit of the Pope in Roman Catholicism, but we pray for Catholics to get saved. Amen? We rebuke the spirit of Mormonism and atheism. We rebuke it. We come against those lies, and we call forth the things of God in their lives. You can study other books on those subjects. And then the full armor of God is meant for you to do these two things we're going to learn. To defend what God has done in your life and to attack and bring the kingdom of God on the earth. Can I hear an amen? Amen. From the notes from last week, everybody say, this is still review, by the way. This is just the introduction. Look at your neighbor and say, it's just the introduction. I haven't even got to the prayer part yet. It will come, but I've, you know, I've tapped on it a little bit. So look at how, it, how it's meant to be like a Roman soldier. The belt of truth holds up your pants so you're prepared and ready. The breastplate of righteousness is the righteousness of Christ guarding your heart. The, the uh, shield of faith is what protects you, or excuse me, the gospel of peace is what leads you on your, your way and your path with your shoes. The shield of faith is what defends against the fiery arrows of the enemy, and the helmet of salvation is what guards your mind. That is what God said you were to put on, and I have it there for you. Now when you look at them. I got the scriptures. We've already been through them, so go back and check it out. Truth comes from God's Word. That's why we talked about truth in those areas today. The breastplate of righteousness is what God did for you so you could be a new person. The gospel of peace is your shoes, the guidance of the Lord in everything you do. The shield of faith is literally the Word of God spoken against your doubts. Doubts your doubts, in other words. The helmet of salvation is the renewal of your mind, believing who God called you to be. And the Word of God is your weapon against the enemy. Somebody say, I'm ready now. Now, this is the message on prayer. How many are ready to pray? Right? I got about five minutes to get you through this right now, but we've got to pray. How do we pray? We pray in these three ways. Number one, we talk and communicate to God. Number two, we listen to God. And number three, we speak against, we speak God's word against the enemy. So I don't just have a prayer time where it's just me and God, which is awesome. I also speak to the principalities, powers, and rulers. I tell them what God's going to do in this world. I, in my prayer time, I say, devil, Jesus is coming to this job. Jesus is coming to this home. That's how I pray. But how do I first start off the prayer? It's not about the devil. It's about God, right? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, the first part is just between you and God. And remember, communication is two ways. It's not just talking. It's listening. Oftentimes, when I, let me just say it like this. When I first started off in Christianity, I was doing all the talking. Now, 20 years later, I do most of the listening. You know why? Because when I, was, when I was young in Christianity, prayer to me was like telling God everything. God, look at this, look at this, look at this. And that's awesome because you got to get it off your chest. you got to get it off your heart. But as I've gotten older in the Lord, I already know he's with me. I'm like, God, you were there. You saw it. 
So I'll just start right from in my mind that position where I was at when I got hurt, and I'll be like, God, I need you to help heal the, heal the pain. Because he knows in my mind where I'm going. He was there when I got hurt by that person. Y'all tracking with me? So instead of going through the whole thing, oh, God, you don't understand. Well, you kind of do understand. But anyways, God, they said this about me. They did this to me. And then they kicked me when I was down, and they did it. And they, Would you please heal me? I, just, I skip all that, and I just go, God, please heal me. You saw what they did. God knows, amen, but I don't want to discourage you, especially those who are new in faith that are learning to trust God. Don't be afraid to share your whole heart. Don't be afraid to share. It's okay. I'm just saying, as I've gotten older in this thing, I just start, just start. I, I don't start every prayer with, with Heavenly Father, and I don't end it with amen. I just start with right where I'm at in my heart, and he knows what I mean, and we go from there. More of my Heavenly Father in Jesus' name prayers where it starts official and ends official is public prayer. But most of the prayer between me and God is, God, you know, and I just, boom, I go right to that moment, and I'll walk, and I'll pray in the Spirit. Holy Spirit will lead me, and I'll get downloads. The prayer life that God has given me over the past 20 years has what, has, is what I would say has kept me through all the trials and tests that I've gone through because it's God's presence. You will sense His presence. I can't tell you how many times I've been scared or people were attacking me or I was lonely, but I get alone in my prayer class. I can't tell you how many times where I've been woken up at night by those demons and I cast them out, but I'm still scared and I get alone in my prayer closet and God comes every time. He will always come. Amen? Here are the nine kinds of prayers. I'll just go through them quickly because you need to know the different kinds of prayers for different occasions. Number one, you need to know how to ask God for stuff. The prayer of request. How many are pretty uh, uh, understanding of what that is? You know, it's the one we're most comfortable with. God, I need you. God, help me. Well, you know what? The Bible says we can do that. John chapter 14, verse 13 says we can pray in his name. But how many know that the prayer of repentance is also important too? Anybody know about that prayer? The prayer of repentance is what brings us forgiveness. It starts when we're sinners becoming Christians. Father, forgive me for I have sinned. Not talking to Father Bob, but Father in heaven. Amen. Father, forgive me for I have sinned. All the things I've done, you know, forgive me. And then what do we do? We confess his righteousness, his love for us, his blood. I know your blood forgives me. What's the difference or washes over me? What's the difference between conviction and condemnation? Conviction will draw you to Christ, and you'll look at Christ in the mirror and see your reflection and notice the areas that are out of place, and you'll say, I feel so convicted. I don't look like you today, Jesus. Forgive me. My attitude was not like you. That's conviction. What is condemnation? Condemnation is when you look at the mirror and you only see yourself, and then you start to describe yourself as the devil sees you. See, look at that zit. Look at your hair out of place. You're no good. And then you get all this condemnation. Look at your neighbor and say, no condo bondo, baby. Somebody say, look to Jesus, not to yourself. Look to Jesus, not to yourself. Remember I said at the beginning, the devil wants you to believe in yourself. Jesus wants you to deny yourself. Isn't that what he said? Whoever wants to be one of my disciples, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. The prayer of intercession is to pray for others. How many like to pray for others? You see, we don't just talk about Ellen here, though we tease her or Oprah or Donald Trump. We pray for them here. We weep for them here. We weep for our nation here. Do you know how many times we've prayed for abortion here with us weeping and crying out to God for the homosexual community? Do you know that I went out for three years to Belmont and Clark every Friday and Saturday night? And do you know that sometimes I was the only pastor they knew? Like one lesbian girl had me do her father her grandfather's funeral, they loved me even though I told them the truth. You know why? Because they could tell that I was praying for them. 
It's because of prayer I gave my heart to Jesus. My mother prayed for me while I was a sinner. High school dropout, arrested eight times on drugs. And guess where I gave my heart to Jesus? At my mother's kitchen table. She wrote things in her journal while she was praying for me that I still haven't even seen yet. Imagine the kind of faith she had to be that kind of an intercessor. She's literally looking at me on drugs, in jail, cussing her out, and writing down what I'm going to do in ministry 20 years from that point. Come on. Woo, you want to talk about having faith. That's what we do. We pray and intercede for others. We don't see them in the natural. We see them as God does in the spiritual. And then Thanksgiving. Somebody say Thanksgiving. Amen. It's not just a time to eat food and get fat and enjoy time with our family. Thanksgiving is a part of every part, of, should be a part of every one of our prayers. Look at what Philippians 4, 6, Paul, the same author, he says, do not be anxious. Don't worry about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and position, with thanksgiving, somebody say, with thanksgiving. Thank you. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. Everybody get this. Why should God give you one more thing when you're not thankful for the hundred things he's already given you? I wish somebody would get that today. Why should God give you one more miracle when you're not thankful for the thousand miracles that he's already done in your life? See, some of y'all don't even know how many times he spared you from death. I can just only count a few on my hands, but I know my guardian angels got some scars and some duct tape on their wings, man, because I've lived a wild life. Are you listening to me? I remember one time to go see a preacher in Columbus, Ohio, talk about spiritual warfare. I only had enough time to say Jesus in about two words in tongues because I was driving 70 miles an hour. You know, hopefully that was the speed limit, but anyways, I was driving fast, let's put it that way. And all of a sudden, the car right in front of me slammed on its brakes, and you you know what's coming. Pile up, baby. I said, Jesus started speaking in tongues. I came to my brake. My, uh, put on my brakes. Came to a complete stop. And I'm looking out my rearview mirror. And this car is coming right at me. And it's put on its brakes and literally skidded right around me. Hit the car on the side of me. That car went back and hit the car in front of me. Caused the pile up. Y'all may not believe this, but there was angels around me. Our car was not even touched in that pile up. Does it happen every time? No, sometimes God allows us to suffer. But I'm saying I have seen it happen. So why should I ever be ungrateful? When I was on crystal meth, and I hate drugs because of this, drugs are good when you think about them in the worldly sense. They make me feel good. They can help me in all these things. Some people self-medicate. So I was just deceived to see the good side of medicine. That's what drugs were meant to be, was medicine. I thought I needed these drugs, but I took them so much like crystal meth that I started to overdose and to abuse them. And you shouldn't be using them unless you're doing it with a doctor, Okay, let me just say that. And so what was once good became harmful. And one time on crystal meth, I was passing out. I was coming in and out. I had done more than all of my friends. And I literally heard my friend saying this. This is what I heard him say. If he passes out one more time, we're going to leave him in the country because we don't want anybody catching us today with this dude. So I don't know where they were going. I don't know what they were doing. But we lived out in the country. They were going to drop my body off in the middle of the country if I passed out one more time. And I remember praying, dear God, if I make it through this, I won't do drugs again. And I lived that day. And I wasn't dropped off in the country. Did I stop doing drugs? No, I kept doing them. Because I thought they were fun. I thought they were good for me. But they were destroying my life. There was another time I was in a fight with a kid. We were at a party. He was drunk. I was drunk. And I beat him up. And then he went back and got a gun. Can you believe this? Little little gun in the white uh, suburban neighborhoods of Fort Wayne, Indiana. I'm not trying to say that, that, that you know, white people can't be crazy. But you never would have thought this white boy would have got shot that day. Because I wasn't in the hood. I wasn't with gangbangers. I was with a crazy suicidal dude that that day he had stole a gun from 
from his dad's uh, gun cabinet and was looking to die because when he came back in, he said, I want to fight you, you blankety blank. And I said, dude, I just beat you up. And he said, I don't care. I want to fight you. And when I was fighting him again, he was pulling out the gun towards my head just like this. My friend got up, started beating him on the head with a bat that he had next to him. I don't know why there was a bat next to him. He started beating him up with a bat he had. And I said to my friend, you about ready to kill this guy. He said, Joe, this is what he pulled on you. And he pulled out a gun. I almost died in the suburbs of Fort Wayne, Indiana from a gunshot to the head. You don't have to be in the hood. You don't have to be a gangbanger to die. Are you listening? One of my friends committed suicide on my block. Another one committed suicide I used to live with when I was slanging drugs. You never know how the devil's going to come against you. You better be thankful for every day you have to live. You better not take advantage or take for granted anything that any life or day you have to live, but take advantage of it. Amen? I wasn't supposed to be here. And I'll say this right here. I would have gone to the same devil of I would have gone to the same hell with the devil to every whatever gangbanger goes to wherever Hitler goes to. There's no difference in hell, y'all. Do you understand that? And I would have gone there as an 18-year-old child. I was old enough to go to hell, to put it like that. Somebody say, be thankful. Amen. And pray in unknown tongues. We spent some time talking about that. Pray in faith. In Psalm 23, did David ask Jesus to be his shepherd? Did he say, God, pretty, 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 please be my shepherd? Is that what he said? What did he say in Psalm 23? The Lord Come on, say it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Look at it in the King James. Let's read it together as it comes up uh, right here. One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Sometimes you've got to look at the situation you're facing in prayer when it all looks like it's going to hell in a handbasket and say, look, by the way, you want to know why we close our eyes? Bible never commands it. You can pray with your eyes open, but you want to know why most of us close our eyes? Because we lose our faith looking around. I got to close my eyes because looking out here, it don't look good. I got to pray for my bank account with my eyes closed. I can't look at this app and pray for my bank account right now. I got to close my eyes and imagine something different than looking at my, my coworkers right now. Literally, we close our eyes so that we don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. It's, it's literally a reminder to us that you're not supposed to be motivated by what you see. How many need to go to Belmont and Clark, close their eyes, and say God's got a plan for this community? How many need to go to the west side and believe God's got a plan and say, doesn't matter what I see right now, God's got a plan? How many might have to close their eyes at the next presidential address and say, don't matter what I see, God's got a plan for this nation? And we declare it, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The prayer of agreement, why do we pray with others? Sometimes people make this all superstitious. And I want to tell you this. My prayer is no more powerful than your prayer if you're praying in faith. You don't always have to get the pastor to pray for you. We all have the same gift of faith, the Bible says, and we can build it up through the word of God. And your prayer can be just as effective as my prayers, the Bible says. But why should we pray with people? It's not like God is saying on Facebook, I'm going to answer their prayer, angels, if they get 999 people to pray. If they get them, I'm going to, you know, and then we're at 900. 198. Come on, somebody join the prayer chain. It's not going to work unless you come. No, the prayer of agreement is, is not like God needs us to be like um, the Power Rangers and click, clack, click, clack, click, clack, and there comes the magical answer to prayer. No, the, the reason why we pray is to encourage each other. When I pray with you, 
I get to hear your words and your faith. And then when I pray, you get to hear my faith. And then we get to tell testimonies about what God did in the prayer. And then we start sharpening each other like iron. And then we get back together to pray more because now we see God answer in prayer. It's not because God becomes more powerful when we pray. It's because we're encouraged in the power of God when we pray. Oh, it gets quiet when I talk like that. Don't you all like to pray with people? Why? Because you feel powerful, don't you? You seen that meme? You come into prayer like that little hurt puppy, but you come out like a lion. Come on, look at your neighbor. Come on. I'm just having fun. Y'all think I'm too long right now, but I'm trying to have some fun. Spiritual warfare. You got to conquer the devil. And then lastly, the prayer of persistence. Somebody say pray and don't give up. Thank you. There's actually a whole story in the Bible. Luke chapter 11 tells a whole entire story about somebody who prayed and didn't give up. And the illustration that he gave was somebody going to a governor to seek justice in the middle of the night, knocking on the door. Verse 8 says, I tell you, even though he will not give up and keep, give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely give up, get up and get, give you as much as you need. See, if your neighbor will get up, if you keep knocking on their door, blowing up their text, if some Somebody in the government will answer you if you keep sending them emails or whatever. The Bible is saying if you will not have shame and you will be audacious and keep praying, God will answer you. Don't give up. Somebody say don't give up. Come on, don't give up. The Bible literally says don't give up. And you know this passage right here, it says ask and you shall receive. How many ever heard that passage? But there's a nuance in the Greek language where it's not only asked once, a continual asking. That's why in the Amplified where they do more of the translation in the Greek to help us as English speakers understand it. Look at what it says. It says, so I say to you, ask and what? Keep on asking and it shall be given to you. So if you've ever asked one time and it didn't happen, you thought you were doing something wrong, you weren't understanding the context of Jesus' language. His context was to keep asking, keep seeking, and keep seeking and you shall find. Knock and what? Keep on knocking and the door shall be opened to you. Can I close this bad boy out? Y'all ready? Here it is. Y'all ready to pray? Amen. Two ways you'll pray. One from victory, one for victory. When you're praying for victory, it has nothing to do with your salvation. It has nothing to do with your holiness because God already did that for you. When you're praying for victory, you're praying for other people, for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. When you're praying from victory, you're praying from the salvation God has given you, not to try to take over the devil. The devil is not your job at that point. It's first for you to be saved. So let me say it like this. I fight from victory when I believe God is who he said he is and that I can do all that he called me to do. When I start my prayers, I'm not trying to get nothing from God. I'm believing all the things he already gave me. Let me give you one more scripture just so you can get it. Somebody say, show it again, Pastor. Come on, just because you ask, I'm going to show it again. Look at this. Show it again, Pastor. I just, I have to because some of y'all don't get this for victory and from victory. Here it is. Look at what it says. His divine power has given us some things. No, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and goodness. So when I'm fighting from victory, do I already have all that I need? Yes. 
I already have all that I need. So if the devil gets me to doubt it, that's one of the things I have to fight against. Look at some of the things you already have if you're a Christian. How many Christians do I have here today? Okay, if you have these things, just say amen. Salvation, holiness, a sound mind, peace, a blessed marriage, a godly home, sexual purity, joy, patience, the mind of Christ, freedom, hope. Now, do you always live it outright? No. Do you get in arguments with your, with your spouse? Yes. Do your kids disobey? Sometimes they will. Yeah, but guess what? These are things you've already been given. Okay, imagine this. I'm going to give you this example. Imagine this. I give you a billion dollars, okay? I give you a billion dollars. Is there anything else you need from money in regards to money in your life if I give you a billion dollars? Most of us, no, right? No, there's nothing else you would need. So what can you do with the billion dollars? You could go buy a yacht, right? But they got to go build it for you. You want the kind with the pool on top that has the slide down into the ocean. You want to have the helica- uh, helicopter pad on there. Come on, somebody. You've all looked at some yachts before, right? You know, at least on TV. Or, or you would want a car, right? So watch. You already have all the money for it. It's just a matter of whether or not you operate to get it or to build it or to whatever example you want to put there. This is Christianity. You have all that you need. But God's what? He's building it up. He's helping you to operate it. He's teaching you what you've been given, how to wait and be patient for it, right? Like how many know my kids already have a car? They already got a car. They're not even 16, but they already have a car because I'm going to let them use my car. How many know my kids already have an inheritance even though I haven't died, right? So you see, this is the principle. And so what we do is we don't fall for the lies of Satan. How, how will you have to pray if you, hear this, if you hear Satan tell you you're not really saved? What are you going to tell him? I've been born again. The Bible says I'm saved. You're going to take out the sword of the Spirit. What are you going to do if he tells you you're not holy? You're going to say, I'm holy because the Lord my God is holy. He made me a new creation. What are you going to do if he tries to give you depression, anxiety? What are you going to say? He didn't give me a spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1.7, but a, a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. What's he going to do? If, you guys get my point? What are you going to do if he says you don't have peace or you don't have this? You're going to speak the word back. Somebody say, speak the word. Amen. But you're going to stand your ground. Now, how are you going to go attack? Because the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Where are we running against? Where are we running to conquer? Am I running to try to achieve my salvation? Am I running to achieve peace? Am I fighting? I'm fighting to get my salvation. No, I already got it. I just need to receive it and stand it. You all get the difference. I want you all to get this. I'm not running against the devil to get nothing. There is nothing between me and the promises of God if I'm a Christian. But where are the gates over the kingdom of darkness? What did Jesus say? I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. So what am I running down? What am I coming against, busting down the walls, doing drive-by shootings with my 69 clips? I mean the Bible. Come on. Blah, 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 blah. Where am I doing that at? Come on! To the gates of hell. Where, where am I trying to get to? Lost humanity. I'm praying against 
the lies in my government. So I don't believe the government's perfect. Like I said, to hell with America. Jesus is going to be a lot longer here than America is, right? I'm not here to defend nationalism or anything. I'm a Christian before I'm an American citizen. So wherever I see error in my government, I'm going to pray against it in the name of Jesus. I'm going to pray against the errors that I see in my culture. People that look like me, talk like me, Americans. I'm going to pray against all the lies that I see being spread, whether it's from Oprah or Ellen or the Gucci gang or Beyonce. Sorry, y'all. She ain't right either. Come on, she ain't a role model for our girls. You might like some of the songs. You ain't going to go to hell listening to them, but you'll go to hell believing what she says is true about everything. So you spit out the bones, right? No, no, have enough common sense to know the difference, okay? And so what my point is here, Paul said, pray that I can preach the word fearlessly and make known this mystery. So when we leave out here today, you can go and change the world, Amen. I want us to pray right now, first of all, for the times we haven't prayed. Can we do that as Adam and the band comes and all to workers come? Father, would you forgive us for the times we haven't prayed like we should?